1965 to 1967. Sit back on a journey of the past, Everybody and welcome to the Literary License Podcast Christmas Special. Oh. I'm joined by the lovely Ramona. Hey. And Mario. Hello. Miraculous. And David well Brown. And myself, Craig Johnson. <laughs> broadcasting to you live from East Finchley suburbs in North London, United Kingdom. Today we are reviewing. It's a it's going to be, uh, it's a double bill again. It's Mission to the Unknown and, um, um, from the 9th of October, 1965. Yeah. And, and the Myth Makers, which was uh, 16th, of, 16th of October, 1965. Yes. They're both missing stories in Doctor Who, Whodom. So we can make them up. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be reviewing these... <laughs> <laughs> I've not watched them. We're no, gonna not. have to use our knowledge <laughs> skills as Hoovians yes. using telesnaps, audio um, without uh, any audio, yeah, pictures, amazing memory. law that's out there. Yeah. Um yeah. And then afterwards we're doing a there will be a Christmas special um uh, of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe um, from 1988 serial on BBC television. And that will be hosted by Marios. Oh, right. So what have you guys been up to recently? <laughs> well, I have been um, busy working on a new book for publication for next year. Oh, wow. I can't say too much about it, only because it's in work in progress and I want to keep it as a surprise for you guys for next year so it's going to be my first full-length novel wow that'll wow. be cool oh, brilliant That's yeah great. and that'll be available on amazon it well, well i'm hoping either amazon or i'm going to query it so we'll watch this space okay yeah. sounds good sounds good and how about yourself david what have you been up to yeah well i've been continuing doing the open mic and essentially playing some new songs uh got a couple of new ideas together with the our friend uh, Ross, the keyboard player, and uh, they're starting to sound nice now. One's got like a, a middle eight, which is in three four time waltz time, you know. So it goes from four four like bomb 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 da bomb da da boom da da boom da. <laughs> so it's a bit unusual, you know. And that's at the old white line. And that's at the old white line, which in is near essentially high road. Exactly. Thursdays at seven thirty p.m. till ten p.m. And you can catch David there. We create. Well, I've, I've, uh, we found a place to exhibit some oh, yeah, new art. Got a show on. Yeah, it's at the Muswell Health Centre. When you know, and, and that's uh, that's in Fortis Green, the Muswell Hill yeah. Health Centre. Um, so, and it's um, 
David's got an art exhibition there. And Craig and... Uh, How long's that running on for? That'll be for about a month, you know. Yeah, but roughly about a month. What are the opening hours for that? Um, I think, well, it opens at 7.30 in the morning and closes at 10. Okay, cool. So cool. <laughs> anyone can wander in. Like. <laughs> That's cool. And you can check out David's work on... Um, uh, at David yeah, Joe uh, and, on uh, Instagram and, and Acid can, Monk, Acid Monk on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. How about yourself, Ramona? What you've been up to? Uh, fighting off a cold for the past two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a lot moving. of it going around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you don't have it, you're gonna get it. Yeah. And uh, basically, uh, moving house from one end of town to another. And there's a lot that goes along with moving house, such as yes. a ton of paperwork. Yes. And I'm still waiting for another half a ton of paperwork to show up. Oh, no. Yeah. It's oh, it's yeah. emotional stress. You know, yeah. it really is one of the most oh, yeah. stressful Moving things. house and getting married is on and, most, and, 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 and a death. Yeah. yeah. But if you do it all in one day, get married, die, and then move house, then you're all right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and... um. For myself, I, I've been um, just pre preparing for Christmas and working. Um, yeah, I got over the flu that I had. Um, thank God, um, and um, just been getting food ready for Christmas and well, the house stuff. is looking amazing. And because um, I've got nine people here on Christmas, so I'm going to be doing the cooking this year. Could, so, could you show the guys the Christmas tree, Chris? Hey, look at this! Look at this! Look at this! You can see it. Yeah, that's good. Oh wow! Oh, that's gorgeous. It's really Victorian, you know. <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> Thanks, guys. And um, I've been watching. Um, I've been watching the new Doctor Who's, and I watched the Russell oh, yeah. T Davies documentary last night. Which oh, was, I couldn't see that. It was brilliant with Al Ian Alan Yentob. Yeah, Alan I, it was fantastic. It was really, really well done. Um, and I've been watching Sorry. the Chronicles of Narnia to catch up for this podcast. Yeah. I'm doing Mario. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I went to see the Muppet Christmas Carol with a live orchestra at the Hammersmith oh, yeah. Apollo, and it was amazing. It was so good. They even did the the, the Walt Disney idents um, to to live music. It was just fantastic. Yeah. It it's... was absolutely brilliant. And that was my Christmas present from my sister. So thank you, Rachel. <laughs> and um, I have to clear something up. Someone got in touch with me, Robert Price. Um, he's one of the, wow. one of the yeah. um, sculptors of the old character options, Doctor Who's. He corrected me and he said, um, William Hartnell was actually in the very first Carry On film as Carry On Sergeant, which yeah. I've totally forgot. So, yeah, yeah that's right. I stand corrected, Robert. He's a, <laughs> he's a legend. So, yeah. Okay, that's, let's, um, we'll, we'll begin the podcast then, guys. Mm -hmm. And, um we shall cut to the trailer and I will be right back. This is the plot synopsis for Doctor Who, Missions to the Unknown, which aired on 9th of October, 1965. 
On the planet Kembo, Mark Corey and Gordon Lowry of UN Deep Space Force Group 1 are attempting to repair their spaceships to reach the rendezvous when they are attacked by the third crew member, Jeff Garvey, who was in a violent state of mind upon waking up in the jungle. Corey shoots Garvey dead when he was about to fire at Lowry. Bringing Lowry into the spaceship for debriefing, Corey explains himself to be a space security agent assigned to investigate a possible Dalek base for universal invasion for the presence of a Vagra plant confirming the presence. At the Dalek's base, the Dalek Supreme is informed that representatives from seven planets will soon arrive and send a Dalek platoon to destroy Corey and Lowry. Corey stands guard against the slow-moving Varga plants while Lowry finishes building a rescue beacon. They notice a spaceship flying above them, Corey deducing the Daleks are planning something big. As Lowry is about to record a message, Corey notices something moving in the jungle. Lowry and Corey flee as the Dalek platoon arrives and destroy their ship. In the Dalek base, the representations from the seven galaxies have gathered in a conference room. The Dalek Supreme assures Representative Malfa that the human intruders will be dealt with. Corey is forced to kill Lowry upon discovering he became infected by a Varga plant and records a message, only to be surrounded by Daleks and exterminated. At the Dalek space, the representatives approve an alliance, agreeing with the Daleks plan to take over the solar system. And that is the plot synopsis for The Mission to the Unknown, which aired on the 9th of October, 1965. Hello and welcome to the Literary Licence Podcast. Tonight we are discussing the mission to the unknown. Um, this is the second series of the third season of, of uh, Doctor Who, written by Terry Nation, directed by Martin Ma- Martinus. Um, it was a single episode which was broadcast on BBC One on the 9th of October 1965. Um, it serves as an introduction to the 12-part story, The Daleks, The Master Plan, mm which is one that I still, I haven't even watched that or seen any remaining episodes yet. I'm get, I'm working my way through this stuff. Um, but I'm looking forward to the Daleks master plan because of the meddling monk yeah. stuff. Um, and I want to see that again, because he was a brilliant character. Um, it is not, notice, notable for the complete absence of the regular cast and the TARDIS. And it's the only serial in the show's history not to feature the Doctor at all. And it, mm. the story actually f- focuses on the space security agent, Mark Corey, played by Edward D'Souza, and his attempts to warn Earth of the Daleks' plan to take over the solar system. <laughs> so what are your th- opening thoughts, guys? Well, I think because of it being um, doctorless and companionless, I think that's quite rare for Doctor Who at this stage yeah. of its um, era. Yeah. It's almost like a spin-off by Terry Nation, really, isn't it? Or, or like a sort of pilot without the actual... Uh, You've got funny-looking aliens, yeah, mind-altering cactuses, but um, no Doctor. Um, and do you think it could have been a spin-off for them at that very beginning, do you think? Something different to Doctor Who, and maybe they wanted yeah. to was, expand the universe? Was this, when, was this when Bill Hartnell was not very well? Think. Could have been, could and have been. they had to like kind of shoot the show around um, without a name. Yeah, know? I mean, he wasn't very well anyway. Like, it, you know, most of the time, like you know, later on, I don't know. Yeah, it's his Dalek focus spin-off. Ah, uh-huh. they say the 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 character James Bond is an inspiration for Mark Corey. 
still around, but at the same time, you know, the 60s was like introduction of Bond. And and this one was the last story of the programme's second year, even if it was broadcast as the second story after the seven-week summer break. Yeah. Unless it was the summer break and he was on holiday. Well, maybe. Maybe. That's interesting. A bit like Mario when he has (laughs) summer holidays. (laughs) (laughs) I I fancy taking a summer holiday from myself. Mm. Mm, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, it's had 8.3 million viewers, you know. Then again, that's what. And this one introduced the Daleks with the black ah, heads, right? To be like from like the like from the evil of the Daleks, and and because I've got the wind up Dalek from 1965, and he's got a black head, black head. Yeah, they, I really love the color design of those Daleks. Is that when they were like red body, black head, or, or was it just like gray sure, and black? I'm not sure. Well, it was shot in black and white, so it was hard yeah. to tell. You know, yeah. It would be interesting to know if they could do this as a um animation in the future which would oh, be, really be brilliant cool. i think that would be i can't great. wait and they look like they've recolored a lot of the doctor who's as well there is an animation of it um yeah it looks like a uh, fan uh drawn animation um yeah. it's available on one of the streaming services with commercials so this it was on a, it was set on a screeching jungle planet again <laughs> 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 There's plenty of them kicking about. There's <laughs> a you... lot of jungle planets out there. It's not, yeah, they're they? like flipping heck, you know. Maybe they should do uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here next time one of them places. <laughs> this one features Varga plants. Does any does anyone know about Varga plants? Varga plants. Yes, I do. How on remind Varga plants were created by the Daleks as an infectious species to convert other life forms into their own kind as Varga plants. Varga plants affect the brain um, with a uh, hallucinogen that makes the uh, infected person very act very violent in the first stage. And then in the second and last stages, the uh, infected person becomes a Varga plant themselves. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of Planet of the Daleks when the when the plants were squirting out that substance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were created in the Dalek lab, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, it is. I agree. Yeah. Basically, the uh, uh, story is a gathering of delegates to the planet Kemball in order to get themselves together and psyched up for invasion and conquering of not only our Earth solar system, which is the primary target, but our solar system, our galaxy, and eventually the universe. So basically, (laughs) um, it looks like Skaro has been resettled and restocked with life. Um. Uh. Since the, and the, and this could indicate that this could take place after Destiny of the Daleks, then. So was this like a precursor to that? Yeah, because that's when the Daleks return to Scar after a long absence, and the planet is devoid of any flora. Yeah, that might be another reason of why the Varga plants may have been created is to bring back some sort of flora to Scar, maybe. Mm-hmm. And if anyone mm-hmm. wants to know, a Varga plant looks like um, a cylindrical bulbous thing with ulcers. Ooh. 
a bit like the worm larvae from the Ark in Space. Yeah. In the animation, it looked like a uh, furry cactus. Yeah. A uh, humanoid-sized furry cactus. Mm. That sounds a bit like uh, Carlos Castaneda. <laughs> you know what he was saying there with great books about the guy said he says yeah the paint the indian was showing him he says look now you will become a bird and he paints mm. the paints the plant onto his arms and he stretches them out and he takes off in his imagination obviously like you know but um it's like it's so real he feels he is flying you know yeah. maybe these plants are like that yeah they're actually the situation is so real you do believe it you know but then again what is real and what is stopping it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, kind of this long one. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> what do you think there, Mario? Um, yeah, I mean, um, for me, I mean, this is like, the, like I said before, it's the first ever Doctor Who to be not featured with the Doctor and Companions. And yeah. I think they could have done more like that prequels to different stories without the, without the Doctor. I think, and I think this is a good bold move that they've done yeah. as well. And to have eight point three million viewers for this episode is quite something. Yeah, because mm. the doctor kind of orchestrated the whole thing, you know. Absolutely, and yeah. to have someone different to lead the whole story is, I think, is quite um, fascinating. Quite yeah, you know, it's um, it's like it's like a James Bond movie or James Bond, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's almost like uh, yeah, there is no orchestra uh, sorry conductor to the orchestra mm. you know it's just playing on the same it's just the foley master yeah the foley <laughs> master, that yeah. case of parts <laughs> that's a job we're always fancy doing foley master <laughs> so I, I, think, I think it i think you know i would i would like to see um ramona the am, animation you know yeah. see what it yeah. was like and also if they had the um soundtrack to it like they have the audio soundtracks you know that would be quite good to listen to as well to get the feel of the whole thing without you know and you know the james bond-esque type you know in space i think that's <laughs> <pretty> cool <laughs> that'd be cool yeah it's a bit like that movie barbarella you know that was a bit kind of james remember that one yeah it was <laughs> the ratings mario they're quite high again. Again, yeah, yeah 8.3 is absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah. it's amazing to see that, you know, the story, like, a, you know, and the actual, you know, prologue to the prequel, sorry, to the actual um 12-part series, you know, Dialect's mm. Master Plan. Uh, it's just, you know, incredible. William and, you know, it would have been good if Big Finish again would go back to this and make a whole spin-off with yeah. them as yeah. well. I think that would be cool. When was the first time? What was the first Doctor Who that was um, screened in in America? Was it in the sixties or was it in the seventies? I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, maybe uh, Ramona knows. If you know, all yeah. I know is uh, what I saw in the very early eighties. Okay. Put out by PBS, Public Broadcasting. Uh, okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ah. And my first show was Pyramids of Mars. Oh, I, I used to watch that, that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I remember, the, like I said, when I was a kid in the 60s, I mean, I remember, you know, I remember the first one. I can't believe it. we watched them on our TV. 
which was like no bigger than a sort of uh, goldfish bowl, you know, so like sitting and right in front of it, black and white. And on it comes, like, you know, know, and that sort of a weird um, optical effect at the beginning. And the thing was, it was like everyone was just like sitting there with their mouths open going, what the heck was that? Mm. You know, brilliant, you know, genius. Totally different for the time. There was nothing like that around, you know. And I think that's what was so great about it, like everybody tuned in every Saturday afternoon from the beginning to watch it. And being oh, and they didn't realise like you know years to come, it was going to be was, this whole institution. Absolutely, now it is, yeah. But the thing was, it showed you how much patience it was around because people were wait till the following week. You know, there was no like uh, catch up or you no. could sort of like check it out on YouTube, but there was nothing like that existed. So it was like suspended animation for a whole week, and all we talked about at school was uh, the next what's going to happen in the next. Uh, episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> it was a bit like... Well, they had good training with the yeah. uh, Spaghetti Westerns and uh, Matinee at the Bijou um, oh, yeah, because yeah. they always had uh, like about a... three or four movies uh, that'll last you a whole day for a dime. Yeah. And uh, the Spaghetti <laughs> right. Western and uh, yeah. who else? Uh, Flash yeah. Gordon. Flash Gordon. And, oh, I love Flash Gordon. Uh, yeah. Yes. And you had to come back next week. I had to go back to and back blow to another dime just yeah. to see the next part. It was, and they used to actually stop the movie. Mm. Like uh, I remember the Tonto and the Lone Ranger. He was jumping across the cabin on the horse, and it stopped in the middle. You know, so he was halfway across the cabin. Yeah, and you had to go back the next week to see me made it across. So you're ending for the rest of the week. You know. So what can we, we, yeah, we can't really rate this because we haven't seen it in its entirety. I gave it an eight and a half, okay. not only for um, the animation, but I also did see uh, bits of the put together of the live action. Um, so I'm giving it an eight and a half. Right. Costumes were excellent. Yeah. It the um, storyline, very, very good for what there was. Mm. How about yourself, David? Yeah, I just like Ramona said. I think I'll agree with her. And also, for the t- tenacity of doing something without the Doctor mm. and getting away with it—that's really cool. I'm I'm sure he was a bit pissed off about that, like because he wasn't in the episode. Like you know, <laughs> you know, like uh, it's not so much Doctor Who, but Doctor Where, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but I, I think yeah, nine. Go on, we'll give it a nine. Okay. And yeah, how about yourself, and, uh, Even though we uh. Yeah, we just stuff. We uh, discover what happens to the humans on uh, Kemble. We're trying mm. to send their uh, message back. That leaves us to wonder what's going to happen to the rest of the humans. What's going to happen to Earth, yeah. the galaxy, yes. the universe? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to give it a nine as well because yeah. of the Doctor List episode, the very first Doctor List episode. Did that you know? <laughs> I agree yeah. with that. Did you know that um, Spooner had um, uh, written a story for Jerry Anderson's Fireball XL5 Space Vacation and it would feature a planet called Kemble? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
So it might be that Spooner had a lot more hand in the, yeah. in the script than... I'm sure they were all quite close contact, you yeah. know, down that time, sitting down the pub with a pint in the pipes, you know. Oh, I've just written a new <laughs> uh, new uh, plot for XL5. Yeah. Plot synopsis for Doctor Who, The Myth Makers, which aired from the 16th of October to the 6th of November, 1965. The TARDIS materializes outside the city of Troy, distracting the Trojan Hector, son of King Priam. Greek warrior Achilles takes advantage and kills him. When the Doctor emerges, Achilles believes him to be Zeus in disguise and brings him to the Greek encampment along with the warrior Odysseus. Greek leader Armageddon insists that the Doctor help them fight the Trojans. Meanwhile, the Doctor companions Vicky and Stephen remain in the TARDIS. Steve goes alone to try to find the Doctor but is captured by Odysseus and is taken to the Greek camp. Pretending to be Zeus, the Doctor persuades the Greeks to spare Stephen. Priam's son, Paris, takes the TARDIS into Troy. Perium's daughter, the prophet Cassandra, denounces it as dangerous and demands it to be burnt. Before the fire is lit, Vicky emerges from the TARDIS, taking as a sign from the gods she is renamed Cassinda and made the court favorite. Enraging Cassandra, who believes Vicky to be a rival prophet, though her handmaiden, Katrina, defends Vicky. Priam sends Varys out to avenge Hector, but Stephen adopts the identity Diamondes and persuades the Greeks to send him instead, hoping to search for Vicky. When he arrives, Vicky greets him with his real name, which Cassandra sees as sign they are both spies. They are taken to cells. Priam's youngest son, Troilus, visits Vicky. She persuades him to try to get them released, and they begin to fall in love. Priam has Vicky released, and she frees Stephen. Troilus kills Achilles to avenge Hector. At the doctor's proposal, the Greeks pretend to sail away, leaving a wooden horse outside Troy as acknowledgement of defeat. Paris brings the horse into the city. At nightfall, the Greeks and the doctor exit the horse and open the city gates, allowing the Greek army to enter and battle. As the fighting rages, the doctor finds Vicky, Priam and Paris are slain, and Cassandra takes prisoner. Katrina finds Stephen badly wounded and helps him return to the TARDIS. Vicky leaves the doctor, anxious to find Troilus outside the doomed city. They declare their love to each other and flee. The doctor dematerializes the TARDIS with Stephen and Katrina on board, hoping to land somewhere to attend to Stephen's injuries. And as the plot synopsis for The Mythmakers, which aired from the 16th of October to the 6th of November, 1965. So that leads us on to the next one, then. Yeah, the myth the makers. Um, no. the Welcome to the Temple of Secrets. <laughs> Chamber <laughs> of Secrets. Chamber, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's again, it's going to be a quite sad one. The myth makers as well. 
This yeah. was four Just episodes. Say goodbye to Vicky. Oh no! Well, yeah, yeah. I like Vicky. She was cool. She grew on me in the end. She yeah. grew on me. She grew on me. I think <laughs> she. And you know, like she, you know, made to her own. She, you know, they moved away from the whole Susan thing in the end as yeah. well. And this story brings more out of her, more emotion. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. She goes to trap. Well, another minor character gets to travel with the doctor. Um, and we get fooled into thinking that she's going to be a regular and she's called Katerina. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but she does become a companion. But she Eventually. only turns up in episode four. Right. And then she doesn't last out the next for to the next story. Mm. Um, yeah, basically, she was Cassandra's uh, helper mm. or handmaiden. Yeah. In in Greek mythology, Cassandra can see the future, but she uh, well she she can actually tell about the future, but you can't do anything about it, you know. So it's kind of like a it kind of negates the whole thing, you know. Yeah. Mm. That's a bit sad, you know. I think I'd rather not know what was going to happen. <laughs> so this featured the story of Troy. Yeah. Um, as Homer and Virgil t- told it, um, you know. And I like the fact that they used um, Greek, well, being Greek as well, you know, like um, having Greek mythology in stories like Doctor Who. Yes. And, yeah. you know, the historical side of Doctor Who. And this is probably one of the first things they've ever did. And looking at the Trojan horse as well, the sets mm. were absolutely fantastic, you know. The costumes were really good yeah. when I, from yeah. what I saw on the video. And, you know, we talked about this before, like, like it got kids into history, you know, because yes. it was always like a boring subject, you know. But now, you know, it was on Doctor Who, it was cool, you know. Well, funnily enough, like, you know, this is like going way, way back when um, the fires of Vulcan, you know, and there was a question come on one of the game shows and say, who was, you know, which volcano was the fires of Vulcan from? And I was thinking, oh, Vesuvius. And and where I got that from was the fires of Vulcan from the Big Finish audio. There you go. Yeah. So it's like, you know. You learn something, you know. Maybe that's maybe that's the best way to try and sort of like uh, characterize it. Even that. over Absolutely. the years, Doctor yeah. Who's met lots of epic figures, but he never quite gets to meet King Priam of Troy. No, even though he's featured in the yeah yeah King Priam. Yeah. You know? He's uh, in this story. He's trying to steer himself away from being on the front page of history, mm. and he comes up with a, comes up with a flying saucer idea. And a catapult. <laughs> yeah, <What>? yeah. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and he, he tries to steer the TARDIS, doesn't he, to get Stephen back home. Um, right. And then he goes outside, he interrupts the two warriors fighting. And then even though one of the destruction actually gets one of them killed, he doesn't care. Like, it's like he's oblivious. But I think that's what I like about this doctor. I like that aloofness of him. Not aloofness, but he's quite lethal. You know, but it's yeah. like meant for a reason. Like, he doesn't you know, take any prisoners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, yeah. he was getting dark towards a darker doctor towards the end of it, wasn't he? I think you know, like a, yeah. a dark side type. Yeah, you know? he sort of come on as like William Hartnell was like this uh, bumbling professor at the beginning, and then he become quite, quite sort of like hard. You know, yeah. quite. You know, he would take no, no, no. He wouldn't. Um, Suffer so fools, that's yeah, for sure. You know, I yeah. like that. You know, 
Yeah. But all the doc, I mean, all the incarnations had that feel about them, even though they were like humorous. It was like always black humor, you know. It was never any sort of like, you know, it wasn't like comedy. It was like there was always some kind of philosophy in the in the comedy, you know. Yeah. I'm just trying to find out the um viewing figures for this as well. And we are. We have got 8.3 for the very first episode, The Temple of Secrets. Yeah. Episode two, Small Profit, Quick Return, 8.1. Death of a Spy, 8.7. And Horse of Destruction, we've got 8.3. They were quite high. Mm. Yeah. And the working titles are quite funny. Yeah. the episode one was originally called Zeus Ex Machina, <laughs> and episode three was um, Is There a Doctor in the Horse? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I like that. Yeah, I, have to, I have to use that one. <laughs> the cliffhangers were the, where the doctors marched back to the plane where his temple landed yeah. to find that it's vanished into thin air. Um, Cassandra proves that Vicky is a Greek spy. <laughs> and the guards advance on her with their swords drawn, and um, the uh, the Trojans bring the great horse of Asia into the city. And the lead into the next story is on board on board the TARDIS. The wounded um, Stephen's condition worsens, yeah. Um, and the doctor realizes he's got to find some help. Okay. Yeah, tell me that. Yeah, the, the, the TARDIS always always made me think about the Trojan horse. And I know, you know, inside it was small in the Trojan horse, but that concept of like oh putting all God. that power inside a tiny Mike, thing. Mike Reed yeah. was one of the hey, uh, extras. Reed. Bloody hell, he's an old from uh, Frank, who plays Frank Butcher in EastEnders. In EastEnders, he, yeah. po- he pops up a few times in season three. These, yeah, they were all probably on the scene at the time, you know. So yeah. uh, you know, but I mean, uh, yeah, that's funny that um, sometimes people can have a Trojan horse personality. Yeah, I've got that. You know, you, you you hide a lot of things inside yourself, you know. Don't, don't show what's uh, actually going on inside, you know. So what about ratings for this one, guys? Yes. I give it a nine. Very, very well done. Good settings, yeah. good cast, good costume, excellent costumes. Yeah. And it's a story that is uh, well known in uh, and taught in uh, most schools yep. uh, or history classes, um, even to young children. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'll agree with Ramona, but I'll give it a 10 only because it's been a, a historical story, which I absolutely adore, and a Greek mythology, which I know and love as well. And it's set in the Troy, again, costumes. It's amazing. Vicky's final story. We wave goodbye to her. You know, again, it's sad. I hate it when to see companions. I love going. when she hugged the TARDIS. She said goodbye yeah. to the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was around this time 
um, when William Hartnell was diagnosed with arteriosclerosis. Um, And it really affected his ability to memorise lines, which made him angry and embarrassed. Um, And he took it out on those around him, uh, mainly um, uh, Adrian. Was it um, Max Adrian who played Purium? Yeah. Um, they really didn't get on it during the, the making of this. They found each other intolerable on the set. Yeah. Um, uh, Wiles was unaware of this, but he was warned by by Verity Lambert at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was only 57 at the time. Who, um, William Hartnell? William Hartnell, yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Still a young guy, you know, really. No, you're not, not the engine. guys so that brings us to the end of um the literary license podcast for doctor who um it's it's over and out from me in east finchley (laughs) goodbye from me from north finchley no it's goodbye from me inside my trojan horse head in east finchley (laughs) (laughs) and it's wale de skippity from hartford connecticut Ah, and have a merry christmas and a happy new year to all our listeners yes merry christmas everybody merry christmas happy homas and hope 2024 is cool yay Sights.